you've tapped or clicked in to College Volleyball Weekly on Viral Volley Media. Now here's your host, Rob on Mike. Hey, good day, everyone, and welcome to episode eight of College Volleyball Weekly, or week eight. On me, uh, with me on screen are Brad Rostratter of UC San Diego, Jay Hosick of George Mason, Dan, friend of Lewis, and Theo Edwards of Cal State Northridge. Uh, it's well always one of the toughest things to start off shows with, you know, with sad news. And unfortunately, in the last few weeks, life has happened, actually, some passing of some really well-respected members in the volleyball community, um, you know, have happened. And one of them wanted to recognize is someone I think he's touched the lives of a lot of people through their volleyball careers and has been a great influence is uh, Rocky Chirelli. And if you don't know who Rocky Chirelli is, I'm sure Jay has more history because he got to uh, coach against him a bunch of times as with all of you in different uh, circumstances. But he played at Long Beach State. He coached at Long Beach State, was at USC, coached at Huntington Beach High School, Newport Harbor High School, Balboa Bay Club, a ton of just great mentoring opportunities for Rocky Chirelli and uh, son, Tony, All-American at USC, um, passed last week. So uh, thoughts, prayers, condolences, and sympathies to the entire Chirelli family. Um, also, legendary Hawaiian play-by-play commentator Jim Leahy, father to Kanoa Leahy, if you're watching the current broadcast, passed uh, about three to four weeks ago, and uh, another, uh, we'll, be, we'll miss him very much. Uh, he was, I, I coined him as the, Vin, not Vin Scully, the Chick Hearn of volleyball with a Hawaiian accent, which I don't mind hearing because I love the pigeon style, but, um, you know, they'll be sorely missed, and um, Kano will definitely carry on the tradition. He's a very talented play-by-play commentator and analyst as well. So with that, wanted to go into the other news that's happened this week uh, in NCA men's college volleyball. And Coach John Spraw of UCLA notched his 200th win as a UCLA head coach against his first head coach job, UC Irvine, on a Friday night last week. And then he notched his 400th career win as a head coach yesterday against UC Irvine. So uh, great accomplishments. What I think is even greater about that is there's one guy that's been there with him through it all. It was Rob Chai, the statistician. Best friends since they were five years old, ended up on the same bus, the kindergarten bus to school. And that's all she wrote to Arcadia High School, the Apaches. And the only reason why I know it because Coach Spra is proud of his Apaches in Arcadia. So uh, congratulations to uh, John Sprott and Rob Chai. But let's address the elephant in the room. We had CBW Showdown Part 2, UC San Diego and Cal State Northridge. Let's take the, the view from Coach Brad Rostratter's perspective. Great. I'm glad we started here. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Northridge and Theo, uh, they played really well. You know, and I think both of us, I'd say we both didn't play as well as we would have liked to. Um, offensively, we both were not super crisp. Um, we both had a few too many errors, um, but ultimately we had too many errors offensively. We weren't clean enough offensively. Um, the blocking um, from Northridge, you know, Hobus blocking in system against our left sides, and then also out of system blocking all of CSUN's block was pretty solid, um, and it forced some unforced errors for us. 
um, on our side. And then I think Hobus and then uh, Griff Walters from the end line serving uh, put a lot of stress on our passers over time. And, and those are two guys who had real big impacts from the, the service line. Um, but yeah, it was a fun battle. It was, it was really fun way to start off big West play, not the way I would have wanted it to end, but definitely a really good testament to the level of play and, and kind of the growth that we've had in our gym, um, which is ultimately what we're focusing on um, every single day. Well, Kyle Hobus received the off the block offensive player of the night honors that night. So let's take a uh, Theo's view here on the other side of the coin, the first place Cal state Northridge Matadors. <laughs> first place. God, I love that. Um, yeah. Well, first off, I, you know, if you guys haven't been to UCSD uh, of late, the facility is absolutely incredible. Um, they've made some real tremendous improvements over the past few years and, there's this uh, six projector system on one side of the uh, the stadium that I've never seen before anywhere else. Um, and they do a terrific job with the lights. I mean, it's, it's really a, uh, a high class event. And so if you have not been to a match there, I encourage you to go and support and, uh, and watch volleyball there. I mean, it's a really, really great atmosphere for volleyball. So, but anyways, the, the, the level in the gym, like, uh, like Brad said, there was a lot of mistakes. Um, it wasn't the cleanest of volleyball and, you know, in terms of, uh, it being the first match of the big West, it looked like it, uh, we, uh, we played good for stretches, uh, and played poor for others. Um, I thought that, uh, they had a couple of players that, that tested us and, and, uh, you know, Ryan Caw always is a guy who's, who hits the ball incredibly high and, um, can put it in the corner and, in places where the defense is not. And uh, there were some moments there where he really challenged us. And, um, but overall I thought, uh, you know, I thought we, I thought we, we responded well. I think they beat us in the first set and we came back and, and made some blocking adjustments and uh, you know, Brad is doing a terrific job with those guys. And, you know, you look at that team where they were just a month ago um, and where they're at now. I mean, they're, they're really improving and uh, you know, that's just a testament to some great coaching. So excited to uh, to play them again in another week and and uh, get back at it. That's right, CBW Bowl Part Two for you guys. <laughs> so uh, loving this week's topic because it was Splitsville galore, and with that, two more undefeated teams fell. And you know we're going to start with the one that the the happy guy on the screen there. That's the Charleston George Mason matchup because Charleston no longer undefeated thanks to those Patriots up in Fairfax, Virginia. Talk about that, Jay, and then we'll let the other guys chime in. Well, before I talk about that, I I, I want to send my condolences to the Torelli family and the Leahy family. I, I've had the pleasure of knowing Rocky uh, for a number of years. And on that, on a, a little story about him, we played some beach volleyball one day. Obviously, this is a little bit later on in his years. And we were playing, I don't know, four-man or five. We were, everybody was on the court. And Rocky stood in the corner and he said, I got this little circle right here. It's all good. I got this one. And anything comes in here, I've got that ball up. <laughs> His Rocky wasn't making any moves to go anywhere else. Uh, <laughs> but he is uh, no doubt one of the most influential coaches of Southern California over the years. The amount of kids that came out of his programs that went to D1, D2, went on to become All-Americans and go play pro. 
absolutely uh, instrumental in their in their growth and development. And one of the best hecklers of all time, if you've ever got a chance to listen to him. And Leahy, uh, I mean, you, you mentioned uh, Chick Hearn. Uh, Vince Scully is a great call. He is the absolute Vince Scully of Hawaii volleyball. Jim was an absolute treasure. And I'm, I'm really sad to see uh, him pass as well because he was just such a great guy to listen to. He knew the game of men's volleyball inside and out. And he was, uh, he will be sorely missed. So on to bigger and better things. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I was really excited about the way our guys played on the first night and the first two sets. Uh, we came out uh, humming on all cylinders and doing some good things and, and even went in the extra innings, so to speak, in the second game and came out victorious. And I felt really good about what we were doing. Unfortunately, over the course of the next few games, I think we had 25 service errors or 26 service errors. Um, and we just took our foot off the gas and we couldn't finish. And, um, you know, we, we were obviously disappointed uh, and did not feel really good about our performance. Uh, but in the locker room, our guys looked at me and said, don't worry, coach, we got this one tomorrow. We, we're going to beat them. And we went out the next night, handled them in three. Uh, and I thought it was a really uh, telling uh, moment for our program this year. We're so young and we played such a tough schedule. And if you look at some of our matches, you know, we've gone five with some of the better teams. You take a couple of points here and there because we are up in both of those matches and turn around. Next thing you know, we're five and five. So I feel really good about where we're at. I know that it's not the record that we all hope for at this moment, but I really like what's going on in our gym. I like the way my guys are coming in every day determined to work and get better. And Charleston's a good team. You know, they, they, they've turned that program around. Luke Reynolds has done a nice job uh, of bringing in the right kids that fit his, his mode of coaching. Um, and, you know, that team over the time is going to be even better. Uh, and, you know, win, lose, or draw, they're going to be in the discussion at the end of the year for the IBA, I believe. And, and I think, you know, they might surprise a team here and there later on down the line because I don't think they're going to get, they're, they're going to take this loss lightly. I think it hurt them. You could see in their faces they were a little bit disappointed and it all ended, but, doesn't take away from what they've done already for the year so far. So, um, yeah, but we're, we're, we're still getting better. We got a ways to go. All right. Anyone want to jump in there? Feeling like they got the mojo to talk about Jay's match, uh, taking down one of the undefeateds. I called it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Omar was pretty good. Both night. I like Omar. He, he's a steady rock for Jay's team and does some really nice things. And, uh, and so I, I think you saw him produce, pretty good both both matches and so um so i'm not surprised in that sense and like uh, jay said about his own team i think he's got a younger group that keeps getting better so uh, i want to go back to theo and brad's match real quick i love how much complimentary stuff the winner tells the loser so he makes him feel better good job theo do you know what i mean <laughs> brad go get him next time at his house okay right? I just want to throw that in there okay right. yeah, theo you don't need to do anything you're doing great stuff while brad's there plotting in the background <laughs> <laughs> your lights are great you got this video it's all good yeah so but i beat you just so you know hey <laughs> it's really impressive though like I'm not even messing around. It's no joke. It is no I'll, joke. I'll, I'll tell you what. I went to Ohio State. Those guys had fire tubes that cost $2,500 a pop. And two <laughs> tubes on the end. And it's like you're at a barbecue. And I'm like, what just happened? And then he's like, well, our women's team did it this year. So Birch is like, our men's team has to do it. I'm just like, what? 
You're at a Britney Spears concert? What? Oh, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Britney Spears is doing pyroma- that's pyromania, pyromania, yeah, uh, awesome. pyrotechnics. Jay's thinking more Def Leppard now. So yeah, I'm thinking Def Leppard, Motley Crue. Like, let's get after it. <laughs> well, since you have to go to the CSUN San Diego matchup, that artwork behind Brad looks like a wiped up uh, dry erase board. So you're hiding your game plan from Theo right now. <laughs> he's not allowed to see that uh, and he can't see the video we're watching on the other screen <laughs> it's better than the pollock painting you got behind you rob yeah <laughs> hey uh actually jay i wanted to ask you do you go with a new setter this weekend uh is he bulgarian russian kid georgie zaharayev or is that his name yeah no he, the first night uh he did a really nice job and in the fourth set he just kind of you know, I made a couple of weird decisions and, and we were down early and I thought, you know, let's, uh, let's give our guy Troy uh, McDonald a little bit of time and see how he does. And I just stayed with Troy the rest of the night, but the next night I left Yorgi in the whole time. And we had 14 service errors in second, in the second night, but we had 13 aces. That's a, a ridiculous stat, but um, yeah, no, Yorgi's doing a nice job. They're both really good. They they both can set uh, really well, and and it's a real battle in our gym right now. So I like yeah. what I'm seeing. By our next Splitsville Galore match, number five Grand Canyon, number seven Pepperdine. Some serious five set brawls going on there. But let's let you guys uh, let's get your guys take. Let's start with uh, Dan because I know he's he's got a lot moving. I can see the gears moving up there. Oh, well, I don't know about that. So, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, I think in this, I haven't gone and watched it. I just saw the stat lines on the match. Um, but Jalen Jasper is just continuing to crush it still uh, in terms of offensive production. So, you know, people are saying, hey, next USA opposite. But uh, anyway, he's he's doing some really nice things. And, um, you know, I'd like to go back and probably see that fifth game because we know GCU is pretty good. But I'm not surprised they split two very talented teams. Um uh, in terms of, you know, Bryce runs a, a phenomenal offense for those guys. They've got some guys who can put the ball away. And then you got the three pins at, uh, at GCU that are continuing to wreak havoc on people between it's serving and attacking doing in terms of that. So. Yeah. All right, Theo, what's your take on the uh, Grand Canyon Pepperdine series? Yeah, I think, well, you know, I think the interesting part about this Splitsville week, right, is the fact that we had two undefeateds that lost, right, and lost it in split fashion. Um, I think Dan hit it on the head, right? What Jalen Jasper's doing is absolutely unbelievable. He's doing it in true sixth-year fashion. Um, but, man, his uh, – I think night two, the night that they win, he hits 480 and change. Um, and the night that they lost, he hit over 500, uh, which is, I mean, just absolutely incredible uh, that – it's a testament, obviously, to what Jalen's doing, but a testament to the fact that how good uh, Grand Canyon is. You know, the fact that those that guy can have that type of production, and it's still an incredible battle, uh, lets you know that GCU's having some of the similar numbers too. Uh, but, you know, I think kind of what Dan was talking about in, in what we've been saying week after week, the top four teams are a little bit different. Um and I feel like that five to eight, five to nine area is incredibly back and forth, um, you know, with the USC and Stanford, right? USC's 13, but USC Stanford could go either direction. And obviously we're seeing that GCU and, and Pepperdine, that could be a split up. And then, you know, back to Jay's point earlier in, in the show, uh, there's a lot of unranked teams that are really, really good. 
and not necessarily getting the recognition that, you know, we'd all hope to see beyond number 15, but, you know, with, with teams like George Mason and Lewis and Princeton um, and NJIT, I mean, these are some really, really great teams right now that are not ranked. Um, but maybe we need to start looking at having a top 20 or a top 25. You know, all right, let's go over to Jay. I echo the sentiment about uh, the top 20, 25 rant uh, being something that maybe in the future, near future here, we start to look at. Um, and, and, you know, historically, and I think it's on the other episode, but historically, you know, when there were only three conferences, yeah, I get it. You know, the, 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 the MPSF was really deep and the Amoeba was kind of deep and the EIVA wasn't as deep. And so it made some sense to put, you know, number eight, nine, and 10 from the MPSF in the top 15. However, now with all these conferences and all the support starting to begin garnered from the administrations and the athletic departments for some of these programs, historically, the names that used to be kind of also rans are now becoming teams that, that people are going to have to start recognizing their names. Uh, and Lindywood this year seems to be leading that charge and good for them. That's awesome. It, it should be like that. Um, but I think what you're starting to also see is that um, teams that have uh, high-flying opposites uh, or teams that have high-flying outside hitters, it's easy to fly under the radar when nobody knows who you are. It's a whole nother level when everybody knows who you are and you are still able to produce those numbers. Um, and Grand Canyon is no slouch of a blocking team. Their guys get in somebody's airspace at a real high altitude. And Jasper is still able to find ways to kill the ball. That's how you know you're next level. That's how you know you're All-American status. That's how you know that your pro career is going to take off pretty quickly. That's how you know when the national team's looking at you going, yeah, this could be some. This could be somebody who is special. Because, like I said, everybody knows about him. It's not like Jalen's, you know, a 5'8 kid who just kind of, you know, finds a couple of small swings in there. The kid's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, touches 16 feet. Uh, and he is hammering the snot out of balls. And he's not even bringing a giant jump serve. He's bringing a jump float. And he's getting really good success with it. So, you know, there's a lot of things there that he does well uh, that I think his future is pretty bright. But that's that's the difference for me. Yeah. Before we uh, finish out with Brad, I just wanted to, one of the things I saw on social media was uh, some heckling going on. And I wanted to address it because I thought it was, Stupid. I, I have no problem with heckling. I enjoy a few good laughs, but it was saying, hey, number one, referring to GCU, which is Camden Gianni, how's your fourth or third freshman year? And I was like, seriously, the guy died, was resuscitated, and had open heart surgery, and came back a year later to be on the starting line and became an All-American. That, that <laughs> It rubbed me the wrong way. We'll just say right. that. It, it should rub you the wrong way because on the surface, that's a dumb statement. If the guy even knew the story, I guarantee you it would not be it would not be a statement that would be made. And that's an unfortunate situation. And I don't know, maybe the, maybe he didn't want the story out there to the public. But if we marketed some of these stories the way that women's volleyball does and get it out there, if the NCAA pushed any of this stuff out and let people know his story. It'd be a it'd be a heartwarming story instead of instead of you having to talk about some heckler not knowing what he's doing. Yeah, well, maybe maybe Pepperdine should take a a page out of UC San Diego's book because their hecklers were talking to our number one about what kind of shampoo he was using, and I think that's classy. That's the way to do it. 
That is the way to do it. You know who else was really good? Princeton a few years ago had a bench and when somebody else was serving, they had a guy who would mention a different food item every single time somebody was serving. And it was a different food item every single time. It was absolutely fantastic. So we were all sitting on the bench going, what's he going to name next? We were like trying to guess what he'd say. It was, it was fun. That's, that's creative. And I love creative heckling. Absolutely. I didn't want to steal your thunder, Brad, but I had to get that out before I finished the, that, the GCU Pepperdine matchup. Oh, that was perfect. I was going to do a deep dive into all the hecklers and everything they said. So I'm glad you, you took care of that one for me. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, to me, the difference was, I mean, they got max amount of volleyball, you know, 10 sets of volleyball on their conference weekend is a lot of volleyball. And you look at Grand Canyon and their three pins had about 20 plus swings each, nice and balanced. Then you look at Pepperdine and you got Jalen Jasper taking every other swing for the team, um, you know, and Jalen's obviously, you know, a very talented player and in the mix to be a player of the year. Um, and for sure in the All-American and, um, you know, even maybe even the NPSF player of the year conversation. So that's kind of the two differences we see with those teams. And when Jalen's on and they have some support from their supporting cast, they can be really scary and beat any team in the country. And I think some keep an eye on with Pepperdine is Akeen Akinwami, um, one of their, he was a pin hitter, he's now been moved to the middle has the most volatile serve in men's volleyball, which is saying a lot, but he's serving 70 plus. Um, I think it was night two, four aces and seven service errors. Um, so just a very impressive performance. And they got him 28 attempts out of the middle. So it's a little bit of a higher set. So they're able to set him in some different situations. Um, but it's great by Bryce Dvorak being able to get the middle involved, create a little bit of balance there and utilize the Keens very, very special arm offensively. Yep. All right. Yeah, that thing's a cannon. Our final Splitsville match, number 13, USC, and number nine, Stanford, and came down to a pretty brutal brawl at Galen Center on Sunday. So uh, who wants to take a stab? Uh, we'll go with Jay first on this one. Well, I think the controversy is going to be discussed probably the most, and, and I won't delve too deep into it other than the ref made a call, and it's it may not have been the right call. I don't know which one was the right call because I can't see it clearly enough on the on the thing, but, you know, uh, when, you, when you have two teams that are fighting for a small space up at the top, uh, you know, things can get heated and contested, and there's there's... There's a lot of fun in watching that. So two good teams. Uh, you won't hear the end of them after this weekend. They're both going to be in the hunt later on down the line. Yeah. How about you, Theo? Yeah, you know, I, I think this matchup is is really unique um, in the sense that, you know, if you watched it and you look at the stats, you look at the who won which sets, it felt as if Stanford had control for most of this um, and let it slide a little bit. Um you know, I think going back to what we talked about early on, uh, surprises for this season, uh, and USC is definitely one of them, right? They graduated a lot of guys, a lot of talent, a new setter, um, obviously some new pins in, in the transfer from UCLA. Um, so to see them kind of develop and get to where they've gotten um, and finding a way to scrap out a victory over Stanford, I think is, is pretty impressive. Um, that team is, they got some talent. You watch them play, it's not perfect, right? They're they're making a lot of mistakes. They're doing a lot of things, but finding a way to win is absolutely a part of the game. And, um, you know, obviously this this went to a split and, and went one and one. And this easily 